This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It's been over a year since we've done a pod. I'm excited to get back here with David Weiner. You guys know him as Bema Thug. He knows all things about the cap. A huge Rocket fan, and you know, dive into basically all the numbers uh, and things that that are going on with the Houston Rockets. David, man, I know it's been a while since we've done this, so I apologize that, you know, with Rockets Watch, I've been doing a lot of, like, instant live reactions, and we haven't gotten to the Clutch Fans podcast in a while, so it's good to have you on. It, it, it's Hardesty, right? right? Dave Hardesty? <laughs> no, I'm happy, to be, I'm happy to be back. I'm glad we're back. Um, we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see if the people remember us. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt, man. This is, um, you know, lots changed, obviously. We haven't done a podcast in like a year. I mean, I, you and I have uh, obviously talked, you know, on Twitter, on the forums. We've talked on uh, uh, on Rockets Watch as well. So it's it's not, um, you know, like we've been out of touch. We've been talking quite a bit, but we haven't actually sat down and done, and done a pod. And a lot's happened, um, you know, since we did. And, you know, the, the thing right now is Kevin Porter Jr. This is the end of of KPJ's Rockets career. Um, <clears throat> for better or worse, this is KPJ is going to be the symbol of this Rockets tanking period. We're going to probably end up calling it the KPJ era. Probably one of the uh, toughest times to be a Rockets fan. There were some, you know, bright spots, some things that you, you know, some prospects you're, you're hopeful about. But um, the last two plus years have been very rough under, with Steven Silas, Kevin Porter Jr., the Rockets, um, you know, you can you can debate how highly they invested in KPJ. Certainly didn't cost them anything to get him uh, in 2021, but they did sign him to an extension with uh, a lot of team-friendly um, uh, options in it, and they invested highly in him as far as the time on the court. They, you know, they 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 gave him the the starting point guard job, played him 30 plus minutes, sort of made him the the most important player. I don't want to rehash, obviously, the the incident. We know very well um, about what happened in New York City. That court case is ongoing. But the end result is finally here. The Houston Rockets have traded uh, Kevin Porter Jr. to Oklahoma City, the old reliable as far as any kind of situation that you need to get rid of or purge from your team and you pay to do it. That's exactly what uh, Sam Presti is there for, and that's where Rafael Stone turned. He traded uh, Kevin Porter Jr., and two second-round picks. I think it's a 2027 Minnesota, and I think it's a 2028 Milwaukee. I might be wrong on that. You can probably correct me, David. I think you got uh, you got that right. David. Okay. And um, and the Rockets get back Victor Oladipo, who is basically more or less a contract. Um, he's c- coming back from a significant injury. Would not expect him necessarily to play for the Rockets. It could surprise us, but I wouldn't expect it. 
and a younger player who was drafted in 2021, Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova. Pretty smart, albeit undersized big guy. Um, and, you know, we'll see what actually comes of this. But the net result is the Rockets paid two second round picks in order to unload Kevin Porter Jr. and keep a contract on their books. What was your reaction to this deal? Um, I couldn't say that I was particularly surprised. This was the sort of deal that uh, I expected. I was I was thinking, you know, when when they first said the Rockets were going to try to move uh, KPJ, I was looking at more uh, at contracts that were bigger than than KPJ's. You know, uh, Joe Harris, a uh, maybe some combination of trade uh, of larger deals. Um, I, I Probably should have focused in on Oladipo, given Oklahoma City, like you said, they're old, reliable. They're a great dumping ground. Rockets sure do love giving Oklahoma City their future draft picks. Um, but it, it just made all sorts of sense. that. Uh, and here, not only are the Rockets getting a, a some salary ballast, which is really why they did this, to um, have Victor Oladipo's $9.5 million contract on the books, so that they can use that in a future trade rather than having being forced to keep Kevin Porter Jr. on the roster just so you could have his contract. I don't think they were particularly interested in doing that. Um, you get a young guy in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You also saved $5.5 million with this trade, and you generate a $4.5 million trade exception. So all, all in all, like if look – we can we can go on for hours about you know what mistakes were made with this roster with Kevin Porter Jr. Um, all that. If we're looking at this trade in a vacuum, it's actually not a bad trade. It, it's it, you're, you're you have a toxic player on the that you wanted you were going to wave no matter what. You were able to turn that for the cost of two second round picks. You were able to turn that. You get a young player. You get to take a flyer on. Maybe they cut him. Who knows? You get a you get salary ballast. You get a nice size trade exception, and you save a bunch of cash. You know, all you can go buy a couple second round picks back for probably less than this. So, um, you know, a second round pick guy probably doesn't like losing those two, the twenty seven and twenty eight picks. I would have rather. Uh, I'm sorry, second round pick guy would have rather. Uh, traded some 2024 20, picks, but uh, all in all, it's it, it's not a bad bit of business. I mean, I think both trades, both teams got what they wanted out of this trade. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the the second round picks, like you said, that they gave up were more probably um, two of the more valuable second round picks that they have. Would you agree with that? Because the, the ones that they do have in 24, you would think they would be more willing to give those up because you know they're, they're not going to want all of those coming up. If you look at OKC's uh, you know picks sheet right now, it's absolutely outrageous. And in 24, I think they might have four firsts, um, but like they have just second round picks galore um, as well. So they're going to have to you know over time make trades. But Sam Presti and OKC are just masterful at this. I mean, OKC is probably a better team. I mean, I think it's. Uh, safe to say by a lot of uh, people out there in the league that they're a better team than the Rockets right now, and they're still doing this. They're still making these kind of cap moves and just working the asset management situation so well. They're so well positioned to make a a major trade. 
Um, but you know, that's OKC. Don't, don't care. I, I do agree with your assessment that like it could have been worse. I think that kind of sums up. It'd probably be Rafael Stone's mantra or slogan could have been worse. Um, it, it, it's definitely the slogan of the summer from an asset management standpoint, keeping like I, the roster improved. Great. Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, like good signings, great draft picks, all that. But just from a asset management standpoint, I think I agree, Dave. That's the that's the mantra of the summer. Yeah, yeah, and so it, you know it is what it is. It, it I will say I'm just relieved Kevin Porter Jr. is gone. And I'll just I'll say this. Yeah, I've written an article about it, and and I don't need to rehash all of that stuff. But I probably do have lingering concerns just about some of the decision makers with the Rockets. And, and you, I'll let anyone else you know, decide who they want to you know, point the finger at a little bit. But, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., to me, um, it was a smart decision to take a flyer on him. Um, I, I can understand giving him a second chance. I know there was a history. I, I get that. And, you, you know, you can debate that. But there were things that happened here along the way that just make me really question why they placed such a tremendous value on him. Um, I mean, before this incident, he was a big piece. Even though the, I, I'll give them their credit, they were no longer going to run with Kevin Porter Jr.'s point guard. They knew that was that was coming to an end. But he was still a big part of what they were hoping to accomplish this year. Um, I, I never, I should say never, but I just the last year year and a half. It did not make any sense to me, um, all the things that they did. And I'm just glad it's over um, and, and that, you know, they, they moved on. We can all move on because there's a lot of positive things going on with the Rockets. And Kevin Porter Jr. and the last two plus years have been largely negative to me. Um, and so, like I said, there's some lingering concerns that I have about the decision makers on the Rockets. I'm glad Ime Odoka is kind of the adult in the room now. I feel like a lot of this is changing because of Ime. Um, but for the most part, I'm just encouraged this thing's over. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, Dave. But I mean, I, you know, to, to, to give some credence to the to the pro KPJ side, um, just on the basketball court, of course, I, I think, it, it, at least in my opinion, I think it's safe to say he was probably our second best player last year after Shangun. Um I thought he was clearly better than Jalen Green last year, but that's also to be expected. He has two more years in the league than than Jalen. Um, his defense had improved. Uh, his spot-up shooting was very good. He was pretty much the only reliable three-point shooter on the team. Um, and, you know, on certain nights when he had it going, he was an electric player. Um, it, you know, it is a loss. To, to, to lose him if you could compartmentalize his his attitude issues with his basketball skill it, you know you and i've been saying it all along is that i thought he had the potential to be an absolutely elite sixth man i thought that was the best role for him all along that was the role he was getting ready for this year whether he wanted to or not and uh, i i would have liked to have seen him in that role uh, to see, you know, was he accepting of it? If he fully embraced it, I thought he would thrive in it. Um, but we're, we're never going to get to see whether that would have worked or not. And uh, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm not too broken up about it. I'm very excited about Amon Thompson, who's probably going to get more of an opportunity because Kevin Porter Jr. is not on the roster. Uh, I lament the loss of a good basketball player. Um, but with the attitude issues and everything, it's just one less headache to deal with. 
Yeah, I mean, that's I, I think that's fair. I think, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this before um, on a pod. I think Six Man was was in his future. That's where he should have, you know, they probably should have groomed him for that role some time ago. It's just knowing what they they did and what they dealt with, it, it, it was hard to see him accepting that, especially after some of the things that he was given last year, um, you know, and, and the way he was being groomed for this team. So, I don't know what would have ended up happening. We don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm, I'm like I said, just glad it's over. Um, and uh, you know, uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll just the Kevin Porter Jr. thing is uh, to me always going to be a little bit frustrating. I think it definitely is the symbol of the era, uh, you know, along with Steven Silas. But uh, they are in phase two now, and things are definitely looking up. Let me ask you this. Obviously, Victor Oladipo comes in. He's coming, overcoming, I can't remember if it's an ACL injury, but it's a serious injury um, that's going to have him out uh, for a while. I, I'm not anticipating necessarily. Uh, I believe it's a patella tendon tear or okay. something like that. Okay, thank you. And, you know, I, I don't anticipate this guy. They didn't acquire Victor Oladipo necessarily to play for the Rockets, although you never know. Who knows? Um how do you maybe you could explain to people exactly what the reasoning for this was as far as um, you know you basically acquired a contract it's about nine and a half ten million dollars um, for Oladipo what was the purpose of this uh, as far as the Rockets are concerned sure so the the reason they they, they wanted to make it because they could have easily just waived Kim Porter Jr. it would have only cost them one million of cap room next year. Um, and you could have just eaten the money. You wouldn't know how to give up the picks. But um, they wanted to have another quasi-large contract on the books. And you're right. Victor Oladipo makes about $9.5 million this year. He's an expiring contract. And the reason for that is, the, the you know, as much as we love the the six, pros, you know, really high-value high prospects on the roster, we have – you know, a decent amount of first round picks going out into the future. And the Rockets are set up pretty decently from an asset standpoint, not, a, not as well as OKC or Utah or San Antonio, but, 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 you know, we, we're very asset rich on the court right now with the young guys, but the Rockets want to keep all their, all their options open. And among those is the ability to make a big trade for the next big superstar that comes loose. You saw with Damian Lillard, you know, James Harden's wanting to get a trade. Uh, not that they're looking at Harden, but, you know, let's say a Joel Embiid wants to ask to be traded six months from now. Um, the Rockets want to be able to make a trade like that. And if they don't have the salary, you can have all the assets in the world. You can have 100 first-round picks. But if you don't have matching salary, you cannot make the trade. It's just impossible. So they have to have salary ballast to make a trade work under the cap. And so with Victor Oladipo's $9.5 million expiring contract, that's salary that they can add to a trade like in January or February uh, that they, you know, to, to increase the number of trades they can make where there could be some large trades that are just otherwise impossible. They needed that KPJ salary slot, but they don't want to hang on to him. They don't want him on the roster or involved with the team anymore. So with the Oladipo contract instead, you have that flexibility that you otherwise wouldn't have if you would just waived KPJ. Makes perfect sense. So, you know, it's interesting. I had kind of been told before that they don't anticipate going like the cap room route again. I mean, I'm sure they want that option if they do want to go there, but they're, they're 
definitely leaning more towards trades. So I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because you have a better understanding of this than I do. I think you'll probably see like Oladipo, you know, be that salary ballast along with some of the other guys that they have that are expiring as potential going up to the deadline. And if it doesn't happen, they obviously could let Oladipo expire at the end of the year and go that cap room route. But if not, maybe they do flip Oladipo and, you know, try to get somebody who goes an extra year after this, um, you know, at that time and maybe pick up an asset or something or somebody who can help them that has an extra year just so they keep doing that and then extend their window to be able to make that trade uh, into the you know summer and then the next deadline. Does that seem to make sense to you? Yeah, no, that that actually makes a lot of sense. And in fact, I'm you know the, you know good for Rafael Stone in the front office that they've kind of given themselves this much flexibility, but they do have the option to create you know between twenty and thirty million in cap room next year, or they can stay over the cap and use. And remember, they're going to have the the full non taxpayer mid level, which is going to be about you know twelve twelve plus million dollars starting salary. Um, to use on free agents if they want to, or, you know, uh, the CBA starting next off season, they can use uh, the mid-level exception as a trade exception too. So I think you're going to see fewer and fewer teams clearing the, unless you have just massive cap room, fewer and fewer teams clearing the books for, for with cap room and, and instead stay over the cap, use these exceptions and try to make trades and trade picks with players to try to, to try to improve. So I think you're right, Dave. I think Oladipo gives them the flexibility. <clears throat> I could very easily see them doing exactly what you described. Of if they can't use Oladipo for a bigger trade to to do something more to kind of kick the can, if they can pick up an asset or the player they get is someone who can actually help them on the court and stay over the cap, and then the player they acquire they can use in the summer on an expiring contract. So uh, a lot of options for the Rockets. Again, having the Oladipo contract instead of no big contract um, really does give them all these options, as you described. So, yeah, this is the second time they've acquired Victor Oladipo on a trade. I think it's the first time they did it knowing he was washed, right? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of at the end of his career here. Um, so I don't anticipate that we'll see him. I think it's more just a, a salary type of issue. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Although, Dave, I'm already hearing – the Rockets are getting offers of multiple first-round picks for Victor Oladipo. Are you hearing the same thing? <laughs> yes, and that's in reference to, I think it was Woj, right, that reported that that they had multiple offers uh, of first-round picks, which was obviously the Rockets uh, sort of, um, you know, trolling a little bit or trying to see who would bite and actually give up a first-round pick. Did, it did not work out. Um, you know, from what I have been told, they, they claimed that they really did have a few offers that fell through. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up dealing him to Miami for what amounted to Kelly Olynyk and, and nothing, a pick swap that did not uh, translate. But um, yeah, I, so, you know, as far as them being able to do this, they have Jock Landale. Um, I think Jay Sean Tate is technically an expiring Jeff Green. They can compile, um, you know, some players and get to a significant salary if something like that becomes available. And that's just completely um you know you're at the mercy of the market whatever comes out whether it's you know uh, like donovan mitchell in the past or some other significant player just doesn't want to be part of that squad and i think i will say every year teams come out they're disappointing 
they do something uh, silly, they head south, and then the star player is like, you know what, I want to change. Every year something like that happens. So hopefully the Rockets are in a decent position to be able to do that. They do have a couple of Brooklyn picks, a couple of swaps. Um, not a whole lot else unless they want to dip into their own first-round picks. Their, their pick stash is not that significant, but they do have the Brooklyn picks, and so that could be um, potentially good. You know, and as far as the trades, I guess we can we can dig into that a little bit. But I, I want to get your feel of what you think about this team right now with Ime Udoka here. We've only seen three preseason games. I think the first two were pretty encouraging. Third one was so-so. Um, what has your reaction overall been going from where we were, Silas, KPJ, the whole nine yards, and now to, you know, Ime Udoka, Fred VanVleet, Dylan Brooks, sort of a new look, new culture uh, Houston Rockets team. I'm I'm pretty encouraged, Dave. Um, if you know, I, I don't get to uh, wrapped up with preseason performance. I'm looking for just more general things, and it looks like Udoka's got this team playing with a more structured defense, something that we really didn't have under Silas. Um, you know, that Van Vliet and Brooks are both plus defenders. Uh, you can see their influence rubbing off on the younger players. Uh, so defense is the number one area. And then offensively, I think Udok is willing to get a little more creative. Uh, you, you see that no more with them with uh, Jabari Smith. Uh, it's night and day. They're actually using him in actions uh, instead of having him stand in a corner and maybe get a shot off at the end of a possession. He's uh, He's initiating some offense. He's getting into his mid-range game that he was really successful with at Auburn. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. Obviously, you got all the, all the young guys have been impressive, including Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Um, you know, I, I want to see a little more from Jalen Green. But, again, I'm not going to get too up or too down on anything, but you see the semblance of something here that is going to be competent. And that's really what I'm looking for is organizational competence on the court. And, and I think we're going to see that this year, even if it doesn't translate to 40 plus wins, I think you're going to see night in and night out, a, a much more competent team on the court. Yeah. I mean, I think defensively you, you nailed it there. Like that's, what's exciting to see this team's committed to playing defense, how good they'll be. We shall see. They seem pretty committed to switching a lot. So kind of going back to, I think what was a, a big part of the Rockets' success when you know Harden was here, Chris Paul, that whole that team. Obviously, we're a far cry from that uh, right now. But I mean, as far as getting to a switching defense, that seems to be what Ime Udoka's vision and goal is. Um, we're seeing that. Let, let me ask you this: I know you mentioned earlier you thought you know Shengun, uh, or at least I, if, I, if I read you correctly, um, was probably the best player on the team last year. How do you see him fitting into this, especially defensively? Um, you know, given they tried to get Brooke Lopez in the offseason, um, you know, and, and build sort of that defensive anchor, they're trying to work him in now with as far as being that for the Rockets. Um, they looked a little undersized, you know, in this game three here against the Spurs. We're going to see them rematch the Spurs um, on Wednesday. What do you think that's how do you think that's going to work out with Shingun and Ime? Um, it's going to be a work in progress. Uh, although I was encouraged when I saw in the first two games, um, I think Udoka's got Shingun showing on more pick and rolls instead of having him in drop coverage. 
Uh, I liked what I saw from Shangun getting out there, uh, disrupting uh, the ball handler, and you know, for the most part, getting back to his man in time. Uh, although, you know, you need help defense. You know, it's not just about Shingun. If you're going to play him to show on a pick and roll, you need help from his from from other defenders. But I, I do like having that. I think having him in drop coverage just makes him a non-entity on defense because he's not a rim protector, and even in drop coverage, they can drive on him. And and you know, he, he's gonna he's gonna get you every now and then with a block. But you know, it's it's not the best use of him on defense. Uh, he is a negative defender. I mean, an awesome offensive player, negative defender. But I think if Udoka uses him properly, he he may be able to be, you know, I'm going to use this word a lot, competent. You know, I, th- I think he has the ability to be a competent defender. And then, if you know, if it doesn't work out, and I know he in the one game he played, he did not look that great. I actually really like Jock Landale. Um, you know, he's no Shangun offensively, obviously, but I think he's uh, a smart defender. He's no Brook Lopez either, that's for sure. Um, but I think he's a guy, if, if you're having defensive issues, you can throw him out there. He's going to, he's going to play smart defense and, uh, I don't think he's going to screw up too much. I don't think he's going to be the problem. He's not going to necessarily be the solution, but I don't think he's going to be the problem. Um, so I did like the Landale addition. Jeff Green looked really good the other night. I think he gives you a different look than Landale. So between the three of those guys, uh, you have you have some different looks. I wish we had a rim protector, um, but you know you can't have you can't have everything. I guess you know maybe they trade for a rim protector later in the season, but you know I'm all fine with with running with Shangun now and um, you know giving him every opportunity to succeed uh, on offense. You know there it looks like they're running running through him a lot at the at the elbow uh, where I think he's he's going to be terrific. And uh, I just I look forward to seeing him play, and I want to see him sink or swim on defense. I know he's going to be good on offense. Yeah, you know I we're we jokingly call it Shen Hub, where he's basically running the offense, seeing a lot of it um, at the top of the key behind the three point line, where he's just making you know simple passes off of screens, and he is he has been the hub at times. I personally, in the first three games, feel like we're seeing more. Uh, of him being sort of the pick and roll threat, um, you know, the finishing pick and rolls. And you now have on the team guys who can make the bounce passes to him. Whereas, you know, with KPJ, they jokingly, refer, you know, talked about, not jokingly, they talked about needing a lob threat, but we have made since made jokes about that where he kind of needed that to just toss it up to an athletic, um, you know, guy, somebody with some length who could throw it down. Um, now you've got guys who I think can find Shingun. Um, better on the pick and roll. I think we're seeing that a lot. I, to me, I, I still, I just don't, I, I keep thinking if I put myself in Ime Udoka's shoes, they're going to have to either really get a ton offensively out of Shengun, and we're seeing some encouraging things here. That third game against uh, the Spurs, you can wipe that one out as far as offensively. He just he just struggled, and we don't see that very often from Shengun offensively. Um, but it's either you're going to have to make him a linchpin, a key piece offensively, significant piece, um, because even if his off, excuse me, his defense becomes okay, they are always going to be looking for that rim protector type of player. Miles Turner with the Brook Lopez thing that we saw, they're always going to think to themselves, what are we missing to get to a top five or ten defense, um, and that's what's going to be it. 
I mean, I, I know for a fact, you know, the front office's view, at least pre-Ime Udoka, was 50% of your defense was really coming from that center. So, you know, we, we saw last year they started Bruno to start the year. We see this year, um, you know, they tried to get Brooke Lopez in here. Center was a big priority in the offseason. Yeah, they brought in Landale. I'm with you. I like Landale. I think he'll be a good complement to Shangun, backing him up. But that first game, you know, the first game that he played, he's been you know, trying to recover from that uh, ankle issue that he suffered with Australia's team. Um, he didn't look very good. He looked kind of stiff. Not how we, you know, are used to seeing him. Certainly how he looked against the Suns, or excuse me, with the Suns. Um, but I do think over time he will uh, become a contributor, and hopefully that that uh, you know he'll be back in shape a little bit better um, in recovering from this ankle issue. But I think this is the number one issue for me. The number one question going into this year is Shangun. By just by nature of his position, um, the defense is always going to be a key role. It's not, you know, the other guys uh, on the perimeter are absolutely important as well. But they're going to be switching and guarding multiple positions. Shangun's role as a center is kind of almost to clean up. If somebody gets, you know, beat by a step, you want that guy there to be to help protect the rim. And that's what the rocket. That's their view, um, and we'll see over time if Shangun can do that. I, I agree, he's a very smart player, very very smart player. So if he's he he shows that all the time on offense. So you know I, he doesn't have all this great wingspan or great length, but um, you know he, he's a smart guy. So there's no reason to think he couldn't play defense like an Al Horford or somebody like that who could be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, and you know, in fairness to him, last year, like he, he's a negative defender, but it, it sure didn't help things that. But your starting backcourt was Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, and man, they got blown by a lot. And the hope is that Van Vliet, Brooks, and then a motivated Jalen Green, who's learning from those guys, is going to be a much better defensive uh, backcourt. Uh, and perimeter than than last year. So hopefully the exposure of Shangun to drivers is going to at least be somewhat mitigated. Uh, so that will help Shangun defensively somewhat. But yeah, I, I'm all for getting a, a rim protector. If they can get a really really great rim protector who's a great all around player, yeah, I. You know, I could see them maybe moving on from Shangun for that. But short of that, if, you know, I, I'd like to keep Shangun, maybe get a, a a really good backup rim protector, and then you get you got different looks. And if Shangun's being a problem, you can you can put in the rim protector, uh, and then you still got Shangun for offense. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something to watch. You know, so I want to talk about the other guys. Obviously, it's kind of been called the core six. Shangun being one of those guys. Uh, Amen Thompson, Jabari, Jalen Green, Tari Eason, uh, Cam Whitmore. <clears throat> Those are probably the six best, not probably, they are the six best prospects on the Houston Rockets. They added Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks this year for some veteran contributions, as well as some other guys. We mentioned Landell, we mentioned Jeff Green, um, and uh, Aaron Holiday is playing too quite a bit in the preseason. We'll see how that plays out. But what are your thoughts, um, you know, Jabari, his second year, if, if you're seeing much of a leap from him, your first impressions on Amen Thompson, uh, I'm curious, like, what gets you really excited about the future of the Rockets right now? Because I, I think, you know, a team like San Antonio, they've got Victor Wembanyama. It's very clear 
that is the guy on that team. With the Rockets, I, just, I don't know if it's that clear. They have a lot of players who could be the guy or, you know, the or a, a combination of two or three really, really, really good players. But I don't know if it's 100% clear yet who, you know, that, that legit star is on the team. Yeah, I, I agree, Dave. Um, you know, I'm excited about all six guys. They're, they're not all going to play big minutes, that's for sure. Uh, I don't think there's room in the rotation for all six, at least not at the moment. Uh, but I, I think this team, the, the future of this franchise is going to probably live or die by the, the, the three top picks, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and Amon Thompson. Um, for this year, I think, you know, it's, it, it, Amon's, this is going to be a, a learning year for him playing behind Van Vliet. Uh, so I'm, I'm tempering my expectations with, with Amon, even though I think he has tons of potential. I love his size, his wingspan, his defensive tenacity, his IQ. Uh, so he's got a very bright future. But for this year, I, I really want to see Jalen Green take a leap. I think Jabari is in the midst of taking a leap. I think we saw it in summer league. We're seeing it some in the preseason. Um, again, I'm I'm gonna wait and and you know at, at least give him about ten regular season games to to make a judgment call on on where Jabari is right now. But it looks like he's taking a big step forward, which is it's huge for the Rockets. Uh, but I really want to see Jalen take that next step on defense and. Uh, I've been a little, imp- I've been somewhat impressed with this passing so far in the preseason. I want to see more um, passing out of the pick and roll, um, but mostly on defense. If he can become a, an average defender and just become a little bit better as a, as a passer, I think he can be well on his way to being a, an all star. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen. We have a we have a lot of pretty good players. Like like you said, we don't have that Victor Wembanyama like surefire super duper star. Um, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic that Jalen and Jabari can can take steps in that direction. Yeah, I, mean, I think I would echo that. I mean, right now, men and Jabari to me are. I mean, I, I know it's debatable. But everybody can can put whoever they want. I, I like. Those two, I'm the most bullish on those two players. Uh, Jalen is very, very close, right behind Jabari to me. Uh, I think Amen's the best prospect on the team, personally. I think he's the guy that, um, you know, you get that jump shot going and you have a star in your hands. Like, I, I think that's, you know, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, everything that is elite um, for his position and his ability to defend um, two-way player. Uh, Amen, to me, with the vision he has and his ability to pass and, and the size and all of that, um, is is a potential star. But again, you've got a, a, a very big weakness in today's NBA. You've got to be able to knock down shots. And so he's going to have to figure that out and, and get that squared away. Um, ben Sullivan's going to earn that check for sure. Um, Jabari, I, I, like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've, obviously, I've been bullish about him uh, since way before the draft. And so I'm, I'm I'm extremely excited about Jabari. I'm loving what we saw at Summer League and so far in preseason. But, I mean, I think you saw against the Spurs, there's still going to be some moments where he's a little bit lost, um, you know, and and there's going to be still some growing pains with these young players. I think now they've got the right culture with Ime here, with Fred and Dylan um, out there. Before, you know, I mentioned this on Rockets Watch a few times, 
Last year, when the Rockets had defensive breakdowns, you could point to two or three guys uh, every, on a certain possession and say, well, did he blow it more or did this guy over here? Like there were a lot of mistakes being made. Um, I think there's going to be fewer now with Fred and Dylan, um, you know, and some of these. I think that you're going to see things tighten up. And when there's an issue defensively, you're going to you're going to know it like like maybe who made the wrong read or who made the, the misstep. Um, and I, I love that culture for all of these guys, for Shangun, for Jabari, uh, for Jalen. They're going to learn from, um, you know, a setup. I, I think we saw in the game against the Spurs where Ime pulled Shangun, um, you know, right away after I think a, I can't remember if it was an offensive mistake, but he pulled him and talked to him right away and put him right back into the game. It was the kind of thing that we hadn't seen, frankly, from Silas at all in three years. Um, and, I, I just I think they're in a very good environment now where they're probably going to develop this year more than they did in the in the last two or three years combined. Of course, depending on which player um, we're talking about, some of these guys just got here. But I think this is going to be the best development um, environment for them that they've ever had. Agree. I mean, you have so many good vets, and you know, we talk about Van Vliet and Brooks, but Jeff Green is like a really good vet. Um, they brought in, they just brought in Reggie Bullock. Uh, I think another good vet that, that, you know, there's some things that the coaches can talk and talk and talk. And, um, while really good ones like Udoka can, can, can break through, you really do need good vets to, to properly teach young guys how to be a pro and how to do some of the stuff. Um, and I, I really do like the, the group of vets they put around. I mean, Boban's nice and we all love Boban, but he's there more for vibes. He's not really a guy who the, the young guys are going to listen to and become better players. You know, he might teach them off the court, you know, how to, how to comport yourself off the court, but we want vets that can also show the guys how to, how to play on the court. Um, so I, I really do like the mix they, they have, you know, would have been better. Would it have been better if they had Brooke Lopez? Hell yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, they had to go to their backup plan. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I want, you know, we, we were so heavily focused the last two years on developing the young guys. And that's that's goal number one. And obviously we're trying to win this year, but I don't want us to like so heavily rely on we got to win games oh oh god we owe that pick to oklahoma city oh it'll look really bad if they get a high pick from us oh we got to win games well you know we need to keep focusing on that development and there needs to be kind of that split between doing what it takes to win every night and making sure that our six young guys are getting better and better and better throughout the year and if they can strike that balance i'll gladly trade half a dozen wins if it means those six guys are materially better by the end of the year than if you had just gone full bore, oh, we're going to win 41 games instead of, or I don't even think they could win that. It was no offense, but <laughs> we're going to win 38 games instead of 34 games. Right. right. Yeah, and that's funny because you mentioned that because I was, was going to close with that. It's just, you know, I think we could wait a few more preseason games. It would be fun to almost do a pod about just how we view the NBA, um, you know, predictions for, for each team. But 
you know, some people are saying are thinking this team is going to be in the play in this year. Others are thinking they could still be bottom two or three in the league. Where do you kind of think the Rockets will be this year? Um, yeah, that, that's kind of it. Like, what do you? I don't necessarily know if it's a win total, but just where do you think the the kind of range they'll be in? Sadly, I think they're they're going to be outside of the play in. Um, and again. This is not a knock on the Rockets or the coaching or the players. Every except for Portland, every team in the West got better. There are so many good teams in the West. Um, I don't remember a summer where more teams got better than the summer. You know, usually there's a handful of teams get like significantly better, and some get significantly worse, and others, you know, are get a little little better, but so many teams got better this summer and you know i could see us finishing 12th or 13th in in the west Very but again i the, the, the where they fall is less important to me than than how they develop and how they look every night yeah because they're going to be a, a team that young they're going to be able to build off of that and so even if they're 12th or 13th in the west this year that could catapult them into the play-in or even the edge of the playoffs, like maybe even a succeed the following year uh, if we're being really optimistic. But it, it's going to take time, and the people that are just expecting the play-in are probably going to be disappointed. They, they could make it. I mean, hell, we, I, I thought Sacramento was going to finish 11th last year, and they were the three seed. So crazier things have happened, but I think – the reasonable expectation, in my opinion, is is out is I don't want to say comfortably outside the play-in, but I think the last week of the season, it's going to be clear they're not in the play-in. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think a lot I don't want to say a lot of people, but you know, it's kind of maybe expected a little bit that the Spurs and Blazers will finish below the Rockets, just given um, the nature of their rebuilds. And you look at Wemby; he's been <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and, you know, the Rockets just lost to the Spurs without Wemby. Or, I mean, they won the game. Let me clarify. But they were down with their main guys for the first three quarters. The, the Vipers won the game. Right. That's exactly how I would, how I would say it. Um, and so it's it just, you know, I, nothing's going to be given at all in the West. Without injuries, um, it's, it's just very hard to identify five teams which is what it's going to take uh, finishing below the Rockets to, for them to get in that play in. So I'm hopeful. I mean, and I think I agree with you that it, you want to see this team probably make enough of actual numbers progress in the wins column, probably something like 32, 33 wins. You, you want to see that for sure to make that maybe 10 game or more jump um, to, to show some of that progress, but they need to be a team that's difficult to play against, which is what they've wanted to be the last few years but they really need that to be the case this year. If they're not, if they're closer to what they were in the past, it's not going to be Ime that's on, on in any kind of, uh, you know, uh, basically chopping block. It, it might be Rafael. I, we'll see. I mean, I'm speculating here, but I think they're going to have to make some progress with the on-court product this year um, just based on how everything that was projected and everything that was, you know, the whole reason for going for this two-and-a-half-year tank um, was to get to this point and start to show progress in phase two. I think they will. Now, now, now Dave, the, one other thing I would say, just on, on if we're looking at record um, for this season, is it's quite possible you could get into the last couple of weeks of the season. It become increasingly clear you're likely not going to catch 
the 10, the 10 spot for the play in. And even though OKC has our top four protected pick, they, they may want to, you know, quote unquote, play the young guys the last six or seven games of the season. Fred Van Vliet may all of a sudden have a, whatever Damian Lillard has gotten down the stretch of the last two seasons. And <laughs> right. they decide to, to, you know, play the young guys down the stretch, rack up a few more losses. And even if you run the risk that you're giving Oklahoma City an even better pick, you're also increasing the odds that you get one of those top four picks and keep it. Yeah. So th- th- that's if, if we're, you know, I know you and I aren't necessarily picking win totals, but for those that are thinking about Rockets win totals, that is a very real factor that you should think about because they may want to try to keep that pick. I mean, hell, the Golden State Warriors are several years back owed a top, I believe it was a top seven protected pick and decided to tank down the stretch. Yeah, I remember to Utah. They got the seventh pick, and that was Harrison Barnes, and he was critical to them winning their first championship. So I remember you, you could see the Rockets doing that. Yeah, no, you're, that's a great, great point. It, it absolutely could happen. I, I've often said, like, I think the ideal scenario for the Rockets, they got in the play-in, um, you know, were very competitive, maybe won a game, but then lost. Were in the back end of the lottery and pulled off some miracle getting the top four. That'd be ideal. But, um, yeah, I, you're right. If they're there and it doesn't look like they're competing for that, they might take a step back. You might see Cam Whitmore get serious run and um, and those type of things. So, um yeah, we, we shall see. Well, you know, David, I, anything else you want to add before we close up? Because I know, uh, like I said, it's been a long time, like over a year since we've done a podcast. So it's nice to kind of just, uh, you know, chill, talk with you about the, the, the Rockets and, the, and uh, you know, the state of the team. And uh, like I said, I, I do think brighter days are ahead. This is not like years past where you clearly have a star, multiple stars, and you're going in with, uh, you know, a, a contending chance. We still have to see who internally rises to be that kind of guy or you who you know you get enough players that rise that you can maybe make a trade and get a player like that um still a lot of transformation for the Houston Rockets to do but what they've made uh the changes they've made going into this offseason just as far as an on-court product a fan watching this team is so refreshing and just so uh nice it just feels like they're a professional team again um, and that's that's what I'm looking forward to this season. I agree, Dave. It, it, just competence, a real team with a real coach and real vets that's going to play hard every night. I, I expect them to play hard every night. And uh, I think we're good for for we're good for this pod. Uh, whatever I whatever else I want to talk about, we, I'm sure we can we can talk about in another 18 months. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that's Beam Thug. You can or David Wayner. You can follow him on Twitter at Beam Thug on Clutch Fans Forums as well. Same name. Um, I mean, you guys, you know, you know him. So it's 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 not new. But if you do, if you are new to the Rockets fan community, you can follow him at Beam Thug. David, I appreciate you doing this. We, I, I will say we'll do it again soon. But uh, you know that's that's has a very good chance of being alive. So we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, here we go, man. Rocket season 2023-24 is on deck, and we're ready to roll. Thanks again, David. Let's do this. Let's do this. Looking forward to the season. Thanks, Dave.